Hello, I'm Bob McGregor, pastor at Grandview Baptist Church here in Kitchener, and uh, I'm sitting here in our studio booth with Dr. Stan Fowler, who's a friend of mine, a colleague in ministry, a longtime uh, theolo- theological professor at uh, Heritage Seminary, right now emeritus, but still very involved in theological reflection. And uh, we just thought it'd be a good idea, uh, Stan and I, to uh, bring into the public forum some of the questions that people in leadership are dealing with. And uh, we wrestle, and sometimes what we say in private, we think, man, could that ever fly on the radio? Uh, it's important. People need to think about it. But uh, we're just thinking that it would be good for us to uh, put a broadcast out, and we're going to call it, for now anyway, Thinking About It, because we do it, and we want you to do it as well. So, Stan, um, what are what's one of the issues that lately you think that we need to be concerned about as church leaders and theological leaders? Well, Bob, one that's been forced upon us by the wider culture, for sure, is the whole issue of same-sex marriage and, and how we think about that. And in the church, uh, that is presenting a real challenge in terms of how we think about unity of believers in Christ and, and what kind of diversity we allow uh, on that specific point. I, I recently was, uh, had coffee with a couple of longtime good friends and and both of these guys have connections of various types to a couple of evangelical churches that have recently declared themselves as tolerating diversity internally on this point. They haven't committed themselves as a church to affirming same-sex marriage, but they have committed themselves to allowing for a diversity of opinion and practice within the church. And often churches that do that use at least two biblical texts. Romans 14, for example, where Paul says there, there will be some disputable matters. There are some disputable matters within the church, which we don't all see the same way. And you need to accept one another and let each one be convinced in his own mind. And then in Ephesians 4, Paul says, I want you to maintain the unity of the Spirit with all those who give credible evidence of belonging to Christ and his body. But he re- he said, I recognize we're on the way to a fuller unity of faith. So we, we accept one another and affirm one another, even while we presently disagree about some things. And so the argument is, uh, in these churches and others, that same-sex unions are that kind of issue, a disputable matter, on which we should allow diversity of opinion and practice within the church. Well, what would be something that is not disputable, that we should not allow, in fact, that we should condemn? Well, I think clearly, if, if uh, there is a denial of, of the, let's say, the triune nature of God, um, if there's a denial of the, um, the person of Christ, his genuine divinity and humanity, if there's a denial of the uh, significance of Christ's death as atoning, a denial of his resurrection. I mean, there we're talking about a denial of what's obviously central to Christian Mm -hmm. faith. But then we have people asking, given that we all recognize there are some questions on which we can allow a difference of opinion within the church, 
with the question of same-sex unions be in that category. Now, now what about you? What I've, I've, I'm talking here about yeah. what came up recently in a conversation with two good friends of mine uh, who have long-time pastoral experience. I, I'm talking about what I, what I read and, and what I hear in, in the wider theological world. What are you picking up, either here within our church or in conversation with pastors around town? Well, i got to be honest. As a pastor, I want the unity of our church, and I strive to maintain that unity, and I don't look for issues to divide us. And, but this has been one that deeply troubles me. Um, I, I have taught on this subject publicly and had people come to me afterwards and say uh, they don't think that's what we should be about. I spoke against uh, what I believe is a broken, fallen view of sexuality that at one point was universally accepted. But when I spoke on it, um, there just was this sense that we're not loving, we're not kind, uh, we're not reading the scripture properly, uh, we, we need to look for, for different friends. So there's a lot of pressure, I feel, to just not go there or hope it'll go away. Because even um, church, like there was a, a situation in Toronto a few years ago, United Church, where the minister came out as an atheist. And the United Church is not inclined to condemn an awful lot. And they found it very difficult to condemn that. And I think they ended up coexisting somehow. But I think we might have the same problem. We, we know that there are things that should be condemned, but we are very reluctant to come out and say very clearly that this is sin. And this is one of those issues that um, there's just a lot of conversation about. Well, there is. And, and, and people say, well, look, how can you draw that line in the sand? Because obviously it's a disputable matter. Uh, you and I both know that, that within a church as conservative as ours, there's not unanimity of opinion. If we if we press the issue, we'll find people who would who would disagree, who would be on the affirming side. I'm I'm sure that's the case in a church of of any size at all in our time and place. But I think it's important to remember that uh, if we take scripture seriously, we have to recognize that the the mere fact that a, that a doctrine is disputed doesn't mean that is a doctrine on which we can tolerate that, that difference. For example, if you read Romans and Galatians with one eye open, you're going to find that Paul is saying people who add meritorious works to faith in Christ are, are teaching a gospel that's no gospel, and, and they are not to be tolerated. You call it what it is. You call it what it is. Paul says anathema. Uh, mm-hmm. Condemned is the term that he uses in in Galatians. Um, near the end of the Bible, little epistle of Second John, you have, you have John saying there are going to be traveling teachers who come to you, who deny essential truth about Christ, and and do not accept them. Do not extend Christian hospitality to them. Don't accept them into your home. That's essentially what's going on. Don't don't accept them. You you in fact you share in their sins. If you accept that. And then, and then look at what the risen Christ said to the churches in Asia in Revelation 2 and 3. In, in particular, in Revelation 2 to the church at Pergamum and the church at Thyatira. In both cases, he, he recognizes they're genuine churches of believers and he commends them for various things. 
But in each case, he says, I have this against you. You're tolerating false teaching. And in both cases, it relates to tolerating false teaching about sexual immorality. And he calls the church to repent and discipline those teachers. So the, the mere fact that, a, that an idea is contested doesn't mean it's an idea in which we, we should simply accept that and say, well, that's a disputable matter and we'll have to live with it. So are you saying that this is one of those issues that uh, there is no tolerance? It's very clear that uh, leaders who teach that position are, are not to be um, encouraged or to be associated with uh, evangelicals like ourselves? I think that's where we have to go. Um, I mean, on, on the one hand, we have people saying, look, we believe the Bible, but we believe the Bible properly interpreted it would be supportive of faithful same-sex unions. And to that, I think we have to say, look, there's simply no plausible way to discern a trajectory in the Bible to, to give a positive affirmation of same-sex unions. It, it violates the creation norm, if you go all the way back to Genesis 2. It, it okay, but I'm a mosaic. pew guy. I'm sitting in the pew, and I don't know that. You know, I haven't done the study. I just believe that same-sex attraction and marriage um, is just a good thing. And I don't know any better, but that's my view. Well, then we need to find ways to teach people and, and force them to take an honest look at Scripture and ask, is there any plausible way to take that affirming view? Uh, and, and at the same time believe that the Bible is fully authoritative. Okay, so, so there are people who just need to be taught. People need to be taught. And they also need to, to recognize, I think, that the way Scripture describes this issue says it is sufficiently serious that we, 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 we simply cannot tolerate an affirmation of it. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, when Paul talks about lifestyles that indicate exclusion from God's kingdom, this is one of those points. It's a kingdom-excluding kind of activity. Someone without repentance lives a homosexual lifestyle. Scripture calls us to regard them not as genuine believers, not really part of the family. Wow. See, this is not the kind of thing that I think the world would understand that well, but we're speaking within the realm of professing Christianity and even more narrow than that, evangelical Christianity. So within that sphere, what's our posture to other churches and other leaders uh, who have officially embraced and proclaim uh, that this view of sexuality? Well, I would suggest we, we need to find ways to create a conversation with those churches. And, and when uh, you say churches, are you separating the pew from the pulpit? Well, we have to find a way to communicate with all of God's people somehow. But I take it that, that we probably would have to begin as leaders of a church to appeal to leaders of those other self-described evangelical churches that take this affirming posture and, and say, we need to talk. Here are the reasons why we think you are, you are going down the wrong road. One of, one of the, the friends that I was talking with recently is is involved in in a denomination where he he's part of a theological concerns committee whatever it may be called and so he's involved in in seeking to bring denominational pressure to bear upon this church a significant congregation within that denomination 
that has adopted this agree-to-disagree stance. And I hope he's successful. But if he's not, and they continue to affirm what we would say is uh, not only false but dangerously false, at what, at what point do we um, take the position that will not fellowship, will not regard you, as uh, members of the Christian community, I mean, what I mean, how do we navigate that? I wish there were a simple answer to that, but but I think we we have to say that at some point, if the church steadfastly refuses to repent of affirming this serious error, then we have to say, you can no longer be part. We we can no longer have this formal association with you. Now, what about the members of churches? whose leadership has, in our view, departed from the faith. They need to call those leaders to account. They, they, they need to, to call them back to biblical truth and to orthodoxy on the matter. Um, they need to speak up, as painful as that may be. Just, But isn't that what yeah. Jesus said? Don't tolerate it. If That's you're, right. If you're, he's talking with the believers, the church, and he says the problem with you is that you tolerate right. this kind of teaching. So members in churches have a responsibility before God to speak in sometimes very difficult context to their leadership. They need to, to stand up and speak, and, and they need yeah. to say, I, I may sound ungracious, but, but Scripture calls us to speak truth with grace, but it does call us to speak truth, and it's time we did that yeah. here. You know, every once in a while, uh, people here at Grandview, they say, Pastor Bob, I'm praying for you, and they don't know how desperately... Uh, we need that prayer just to be faithful, not to be intimidated. Uh, you know that all the pressure that is on uh, churches to uh, cooperate with the progressive agenda today, and God just help us to be faithful. Uh, thank you, Stan, for uh, participating in this uh, thinking about it broadcast, and Lord willing, uh, we'll produce uh, more of these for the benefit of our church family and the Christian constituency. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure.